Hello and welcome to the Directions for Life podcast with Karen Jacobson, the GPS girl. And we are going to be speaking with Joan Baker. Joan is based in right here in New York City and I'm going to let Joan share with us what she does. Joan, welcome. Hi, thank you. And first I want to say how much I admire you, Karen. And oh. we've worked together and we've worked together in a couple of ways. And I just oh, I felt it was very powerful and just wanted to let the audience know how I tracked her down to work with her. <laughs> I didn't know how it would manifest, but uh, my husband, Rudy, had seen an article about you in the, in the Daily News. I think it was the Daily News. And we immediately got the idea that we need to work with this woman in the voiceover uh, events that we were doing. And we just thought, what an incredible, like, fate that you had in the industry. Not knowing, on top of it, you're an incredibly powerful, wonderful person. So that was just a surprise. <laughs> so we've worked in a number of ways through voiceover that I think uh, when our, we're going to have a product that comes out probably next year, and it's really creating a mindset to become successful at voiceover. And I don't think anyone has done that. A mindset. They yeah. might have, people might have talked about, um, the craft. We know that. And in a more academic way, but not in an, in a visceral way or in an emotional kind of human way. Right. So I think we did that in our seminar and I'm really looking forward to that. But what I feel that I do, um, besides being a voiceover artist and an author and creator of events and hosting them, is that I really connect people to their truth through their voice in the vehicle, through the vehicle of voiceover. Beautiful. And that's, and, yeah, yeah, and I, when people hear your voice immediately, Joan, I think, I know I think, oh, this is somebody with an incredible voice and she must be using that voice, it must be being heard everywhere. You know, the, the first time we spoke on the phone, I had that feeling and I'm sure people are, are totally hearing what I'm talking about and you are a very respected voiceover professional and voiceover coach. And I want you to take us a little bit back to the beginning and tell us where are you from and where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in a suburb of San Francisco called Marin County. And uh, Marin County... Actually, it's a very exclusive suburb, or it's turned into that. It started out pretty much that way, too. But I don't mean exclusive like um, at the time when, when, when our family moved there, it was hard to get into the area if you weren't of a certain race. And I've talked about this before. You also had to have a certain kind of money bracket. And uh, and my father made a very good living. I mean, we weren't rich, but we we were definitely above the average. And my father, uh, being white, my mother being black, we were able to buy a house in this exclusive area. Now it's much more diverse. I still think in order to really live well there, you have to be rich, literally rich. But there's different kinds of incomes, and it's definitely diverse. So wow. it's actually changed from when I grew up. But I moved to New York when I was still a teenager. And I didn't know voiceover when I first moved here. I actually moved here to become a dancer, which well, you is what are, I did. You are like answering all of my questions. I have to just... <laughs> 
<laughs> That's just so great. So you moved here to be a dancer. And I think the, the, you know, the thing that I really want to know is when did you know what your purpose in life was? Because you know, what we're all about here is speaking with people who have a real passion for what they do, and I know that that is you. So when did you know that you had a purpose to do something specific in life? Well, I knew when I was a kid. I, I was so crystal clear as a kid that I had a purpose, and my purpose was to spread joy and love with anyone that I met. I knew that I was going to do it through show business. In particular, I dreamt about being a character actress. I also dreamt about being a dancer, and I also wanted to tie that into being a humanitarian. And I'm not kidding. I I knew this since I was at least four years old, since I can remember. And I used to daydream about it all the time. But I knew that that was my purpose in life. But mainly... I would dream about things as a kid, like my goal was to meet every person in the world. It was a lofty goal. I wanted to meet every person in the world, and I wanted to somehow, and this is to me kind of little girlish, but I wanted to not only meet everyone in the world, but I wanted them to give me something special that they felt was special to them. It could have been jewelry. It could have been clothes. It could have been whatever, a picture, so that I could remember them. Where does that come from? Where did this idea or this goal of wanting to meet everybody in the world come from? I've never heard anybody say that before, and it's gorgeous. Really? Um, You know, I've never analyzed that other than I always felt like I was connected to a higher purpose. I didn't know those words when I was little, but it's something I daydreamed about in different uh, varieties. One of the varieties was meeting everyone on the planet. I was someone that really loved people. Yes. I still do. Um, but when I was young, you know, when you're young, you don't have the barriers. You don't have the, the different kind of um, uh, things that come up in life that start to alter how you think about people and about the world around you. So I had so much freedom around that, and I was so very connected to my heart and I knew that that was something unusual. I could just tell, or I felt that. But I, it, it ended up helping me in my life to rise above um, certain kind of uh, way of being that people had towards me because I, I have, um, you know, one white parent, one black parent, and I was mixed-raced, and that was mm-hmm. not looked upon very highly in the time that I was growing up. So I really connected to those things that I remembered when I was so young, and it really helped me rise above, to a certain degree, the kind of abuse and bulliness that I received. But I used to daydream about having a career that would be so big that I'd be so loved that it would prove the people that were looking down on me wrong. Like Mm -hmm. if they saw how much I was loved, they'd change their mind. That was my dream. What a uh, what a driving force. <laughs> I know. And, and, you know, some of the driving force might be good and others might be a little warped. But I've spent my adult life unwarping that aspect of my dream because mm-hmm. you can't walk around wanting revenge. I don't think... It's not the most you know healthy I mean? motivation. 
But it didn't start that way. It just evolved that way based on the reactions I was getting. So when I moved to New York, it was that was also a dream come true. But also I thought I was going to be in the in the mix of other people that were similar to, to my background and similar to my way of thinking. But again, that wasn't true. So I had a new level of things that I was dealing with based on being biracial. And so dance ended up being something that didn't quite work out for me. And to this day, I still... Um, I'm still very sad about it. I did dance, but not to the extent that I thought I was. And I also thought dance was going to lead me to acting, and I thought acting was going to lead me to being a humanitarian. But as it turned out, I ended up becoming a voiceover artist because basically I wasn't seen. I was just heard. So no one had to try to fit me into a box. And then my father had passed away from Alzheimer's. That was the actual change or a shift in my career, little did I know. I created a book that really not just gave back and spoke to the voiceover community, which really embraced me, but it also gave me an opportunity to give to the very disease, which was Alzheimer's, that robbed my father of his life. And as a byproduct of that, I became the humanitarian that I've ended up dreaming of. Now, was this... Was the that that whole process of conceiving and writing and creating this book? Would you call that a turning point uh, in your career? There's no question about it because it was a book that was that accumulated a many different points of view and a lot of people that were involved. And I was also dealing with people that didn't know if I was going to be able to publish, get the book published. No one really knew. People knew me, but, I mean, they didn't know my determination or really what my motivation was to get this book done. So this is what people told me later, that they just weren't sure. So they would have given me a different story had they knew the outcome of the story. And, you know, you're always taking a chance. You're always taking a risk, no matter what career you're in or what endeavor you're you're pursuing. But no one really knew my dreams, my visions, my meditations, you know, my prayers, and my fuel. I knew that I was going to get this book published. I knew it was very special. I knew it was very unique. And I also used myself as a way of determining that because I knew it would be a book I want to read. They didn't so know I what knew they were dealing I with, to read did it. they? <laughs> right. But right. It, it, it was de- it, I have to tell you, it didn't take all that long because I was so bound and determined. And yes. the, the lessons in it for me were that because of the wings that were on my back, meaning I felt like I had my dad's wings on my back, no matter what obstacles came up, because there were many, I did not feel stopped. I just did not feel stopped. And I embraced everything that came my way that wasn't quite going my way. And I was very present to how the flow was going and how I could accommodate that by having a loving heart and an embracing heart and being direct, and being focused, and being present. Mm -hmm. And it was probably one of the first times in my life that I felt free, and I did not feel challenged in terms of obstacles coming up. I just didn't feel it. And I've never felt that way in my life. What was your first... I want to take take us back just a little bit 
to what your first professional job was as, well, you could tell me in general as a dancer, but I think because you have become such a force in the voiceover business, it would be interesting to know, do you remember your first professional job as a voiceover artist? Oh, I do. My very first one was an industrial and uh, what what was funny about that, I had just signed with your talent agency, which is Don Buckwald and Associates, and they're one of the top agencies in the country for voiceover. And, um, and I came in as a newcomer. I had no income. I knew no one. The agent that signed me said to me, I can't remember the last time we signed anyone that was a newcomer that had no connections. She just said, I just have a feeling you're going to be successful. And she said, and I've been here eight years, and we just have never signed anyone that that wasn't already making a living. So that kind of made me feel good. But but so about three months later, I ended up getting an industrial. And in the industrial, I was just playing someone in a mall that was being interviewed. So it was like I was in a shopping mall and you could hear the atmosphere and the click-clopping and the little kind of conversations. I was so excited, Karen. I was so excited. <laughs> because it was, really some, it was really a win for me. So, you were doing um, it. You were really doing it. Yes. And I was, and I was really starting my career, yes. not dreaming about it. Not, not talking about it, not thinking right. about it, not talking not, to other people about it. And not in class, honing in yeah. on it. You know, it's like that was what I was used to, being in a class, working on it. So I did that, and uh, after that experience, I ended up getting a job um, very quickly after that. I booked a national commercial for Oil of Olay. And that ran for two years, and I made very good money off that. And then soon after I booked that commercial, I became the voice of a talk show on Fox. And I did that for a number of months, and then the show ended. So right off the bat, I started working. And as I worked, I talked to everyone. I was so fascinated with voiceover, and I thought the people that were in voiceover were just amazing people with amazing humor and and something about them that just shined a little bit more special i thought than than others in show business i feel like us voiceover people are, the, are our best kept secret i feel like we're the real entertainers out here well, there, there's certainly right? so many very funny, very engaged, brilliant people who brilliant. who who share that their craft in this in this quite focused and contained way, and I yes. agree with you completely. Right, and uh, also we have many different talents. Just not only voiceover, although that takes a lot because you're in front of the microphone, you're not seen. You have to be a one-man or one-woman show in that booth, and you have to really develop the skill to do that yes. in front of a microphone so that how your reads land, they land as if I could actually see you on TV with other people acting it out. Creating we don't a have that luxury. That's so right. So I think as a byproduct of that, voiceover people tend to be extremely charismatic, extremely bigger than life. They tend to be very... Um, giving and and very knowledgeable and yet very humble mm. and they tend to be great business people and i'm talking about the ones that really make it and there are many of us that have made it or in, and continue that um reinventing ourselves to make it because yeah. it does take that especially i think when you're a woman joan 
I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> <laughs> I just love your story. I love oh. what you've been sharing with us. I have a couple of quick questions, though. Oh, sure. We're, we're coming to the end of our, uh, our sure. time. So, so are you ready for some quick questions? I am. Did you have an idol or a mentor growing up? Somebody My idol was Lucille Ball. Oh, wow. She was one of the biggest idols, and everyone that knew me knew I loved Lucille Ball. Brilliant. That's brilliant. And the next question is, it's now, now we're moving into the travel area because, of course, being the GPS girl, I happen Woo! to love travel. So I want to know, what is your favorite travel location, your favorite place you've ever been to? I love that question. Um, I I am someone, you're not going to believe when I say this, so I'm someone that I have traveled but not like extensively. One of the favorite places in the world on earth to me was Australia. Really? Yes, Sydney. Beautiful. I am not kidding. So you, even if it was not uh, the Australian GPS girl speaking here, you would say... I swear, I would say the exact same thing. I have other favorites, but I have to tell you, I feel like that that is my number one favorite place on earth that I've been to so far. Beautiful. I couldn't believe how amazing Australia was. And I said, oh my God, this another best kept secret, I thought. Right. Well, now here's the next question, travel question, and that is if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would it be? somewhere you haven't been I love it um, I'm going to say like Thailand uh, Polynesian area of Fiji somewhere Great. around there where I love tropics I love palm trees I love beach I love warmth yes like you will never find me in a cabin in a ski lounge somewhere <laughs> I, I, that's not me but <laughs> I would love to be somewhere warm where there's palm trees, and I've never gone to that part where, where like Fiji or Thailand or somewhere where what I consider exotic. Yes, well, th both of those places are right? exotic and very beautiful. Are they? Uh, that's what I imagine. Yes. Beautiful. I've been to both those places, and they are absolutely oh. gorgeous. So we're, we're going to have to have a conversation offline about your travel plans. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and this is my last question, and that yeah. is, what is your number one direction for life that you would like to share with people? Well, I think my number one direction in life is to do whatever it takes Address all barriers within you, all boundaries, all resistance around being unstoppable. Ugh. Because to me, the best in life is when you're free and fearless. That's brilliant. Brilliant. I, uh, I'm going to take that away from myself. That's an, uh, just such a wonderful reminder. Joan Baker, thank you for uh, all of this amazing, inspiring information. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast. And I loved for, every minute, Karen. I oh, think you're thank you, Joan. Oh, and what is your website, Joan? My website is joanbaker.tv. Beautiful. And joanbaker.tv, there's the book. Uh, you can get your copy of, now it's Secrets of Voiceover yes. Success. Secrets yeah. of Voiceover Success. Um, you can also 
get it through Amazon. You can get it through my publisher, which is Sentient Publications. You can also buy it at any bookstore in the acting uh, section. They ha- there's always books on acting. It's in there. There's like always a section on voiceover. Excellent. So you can actually buy the book anywhere. Uh, I also have a website for my book called secretsofvo.com. But JoanBaker.tv has everything. <laughs> Joan, the career in uh, advertising ends with a full commercial. That was so well done. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I loved it. Joan Baker, thank you. Thank it's Karen Jacobson, the GPS girl, signing off. Another of our Directions for Life podcast. Thank you for joining us. Oh